Go ahead and have a seat. going to get situated real quick here. All right, we're going to continue our um, series. This is part three of the wisdom journey, and uh, hopefully this catches up, but I might just need to use this, Connor, my bad. So uh, if that is the case, I'm just warning you now. I have no notes, and I have no idea what I'm going to say next. So we're just going to wing this. We got it. Uh, the wisdom journey is what we're talking about this month. It's how we go from immaturity to maturity, how we go from basically being a, a fool, the, the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes talks about the fool. We are foolish at times, and we... That's how we usually start. We're young fools. And then we hope to become wise. But it's a journey. And if you remember with the intro, we kind of gave a snapshot of all three of these books. Proverbs was like the city streets that it's easy to navigate. GPS, lit, paved, all that. Then you get out into nature. GPS doesn't work. You can't follow directions. You can't... It, it requires... It's chaos. And then, hopefully, we're going to learn how to navigate by the stars at the end. But today, we're going to talk about the book of Ecclesiastes. And this is the, the, this is the downer one. Hope, hopefully, I can convince you it's not the downer, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that think that this is the most depressing book in the whole Bible. What we're going to look at is how... This is the chaos. This is the wilderness. And the title of my lesson is that chaos is the test of wisdom. So the, the guidance was last week, that was the basics of wisdom. And then, just when you think you got everything figured out, boom, chaos. You don't know anything. You think you know stuff? You don't know anything. I'm glad to see the Arnolds here. They, they had some chaos. They woke up with chaos this morning. Nature is chaos. That's why I have the mountain picture. The chaos of life will test your wisdom. You think you are wise until you run into the chaos of life. You're aware, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you embrace God? Do you go towards God and do you embrace God in chaos? Or do you escape chaos and run away? Just trying to escape problems. My hope this morning is to help you see that even in the chaos of Ecclesiastes, which is where we're going to be, there are actually some solid strategies to navigate the chaos. And we're going to use this word, hevel, H-E-V-E-L, hevel. You're going to hear this word all the time, this, this sermon. I want you to put this word into your vocabulary, hevel. Now in the first one I talked about how Proverbs is everything makes sense. Ecclesiastes is nothing makes sense? Well, that's yes and no. It was a little bit of a sneaky move. That's kind of the first impression when you read Ecclesiastes, is that nothing makes sense. But that's, there's more to it than that. And what I'm hoping we'll find is that Ecclesiastes has a lot 
of, of help to, to find a way through this. I want to start with the very beginning of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 3. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. This is a super upbeat book we're into. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? That's how the book starts. It's the first three verses of Ecclesiastes. And this is going ha- to be continued all the way to the end. In fact, I want to read one snapshot. i got a lot of scriptures. Hopefully, hopefully we, we'll keep this to within a couple hours. Ecclesiastes 11. I picked out this scripture for a, for a very important reason. Here's what it says in verse 8. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, young people, be happy. Be happy while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart. That's my little asterisk when we say, the Bible doesn't say to follow your heart. It actually does. It says, follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But, here's a big but. Know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. Jen and I were just talking about this. Like, man, we're getting old. And I think Courtney, she was like, Courtney just asked me, do you ever mourn like your youth? And Jen's like, all the time. <laughs> but my message for all young people is you should be careful because you could put a lot of stock in your youth and then poof, it's gone. Youth and vigor are meaningless. So here's what I did. I'm going to section these off to the side here and I'm color coding them. Does that show up okay? We got the orange, we got the blue, and we got the red. And here's, here's the, the main themes of this verse. They are Hevel, which we're going to talk about. These are, my three, these are my three points today. Hevel, enjoyment of life, and God's judgment. And these are my three points. Hevel, enjoyment, and judgment. Now, if I were going to write a book about Hevel, enjoyment, and judgment, here's how I would structure it. I would give everybody the bad news up front, And then I would soften the blow by telling them, it's okay, you can still have a fun life, you can still love your life. And then I would say, but wait, don't go too crazy, because you're going to be judged, so you can't go overboard with the enjoyment. That's what I would do. I would start with Hevel, I would transition, I would end that chapter, like Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. Does that make sense? Ecclesiastes is nothing like that. Ecclesiastes is so not like this It's frustrating to read. But I'm going to give you an analogy that hopefully will help you. This is like just an an envisioning of what it would be like if it were like a tapestry, like sewn in, fiber arts. And the book of Ecclesiastes has all three of these messages repeated over and over and over and over again. And they're put next to each other constantly, just like we saw in that verse. Like, hey, life is meaningless, but hey, you can still enjoy it, but be careful because of judgment. And this idea of hevel, enjoyment, judgment, hevel, enjoyment, judgment. 
That's going to be repeated. So when you read Ecclesiastes, and I'm, in, I'm really encouraging you, take some time out. Read this book. It's amazing. And it's a short read. Like Jen read the whole book for a quiet time. It's easy. But you're going to, this will help you so that you don't like start to get weirded out by what, what is this? Just keep in mind, you're going to see these three themes over and over and over again. And they never resolve one to lead into the other. They, they juxtapose them. They put them together all throughout. And it, that's the paradox of life. Is that you want to stop the hevel so that you can enjoy life. It's like, that, sorry, that's not how it works. You're going to have to learn how to do both of those. And you're going to want to say, well... I can't enjoy life because of judgment. That's not true either. You need to learn how to handle all three of these things. And so, let me jump right in. Hevel. What the heck is hevel? The word that we read in the first one about, that's translated meaningless. Meaningly, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Life, this meaningless life. The, the Hebrew word there is hevel. And it doesn't mean meaningless the way you might be thinking. Because this is the weird thing about language. When I say a word, whatever you have in your brain, you're bringing that to the table. And so now you have baggage associated with a word. And so this is why it's good to kind of shake it off. So what is hevel? Well, it means a bunch of different things kind of all rolled up into one. One, one, way, one word it means is like a mist or a vapor or smoke. It also means vain, like vanity. It means fruitless. It does mean meaningless, but it also means useless or worthless. And so when I say meaningless, you think void of meaning, like it doesn't have any meaning. It's like, uh, it's, not, it's not quite that. If I, say, if I say worthless, mist, smoke, vanity, you're like, it's up in the cloud. It's like this amorphous thing that you kind of have to wrestle with. And so let's read Ecclesiastes 1, 13 and 14. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are hevel, a chasing after the wind. A great analogy I heard about hevel is that just when you think like like when we see smoke or steam or any sort of vapor, like it looks like it has a shape. If you take a snapshot, it looks like it has a form, but then it's gone immediately. It's, it, it goes away. You can't grab it. And so it's confusing. It looks like it should be a solid. I can't see through it. It looks like there's something there, but there's nothing there. It's the smoke. And, that, and he's saying that's what life is. And so I did a little Ben IV again. I, wanted, I, I took all the verses in Ecclesiastes that talk about Hevel. And I tried to just sum them up. And you could argue with my wordsmithing techniques. But I just wanted you to see, like, this is when I read Ecclesiastes. A third of it or so, all the Hevel scriptures. When I'm trying to understand what is Hevel, this is what I wrote. No matter how well you live, you will die. No matter how much you worry, you can't slow the march of time. No matter how hard you work, you can't guarantee success, peace, justice, or even a good night's sleep. No matter how much you plan, 
You can't guarantee the future. Or who will benefit from your labor? As soon as you try to grasp any assurance in life, it will escape you and confuse you. Why? Because it's hevel. Life is hevel. Now, if the entire book of Ecclesiastes was just this, yeah, it would be a downer book. And some people think that this is the book of Ecclesiastes, but it's not. There's so much beauty in this. But you have to learn how to accept this. Nothing you do is going to change this about life. And if you're young, you might think, well, I bet I could fight some of that. Go for it. Try. All of us who are old will be like, good luck with that. It'll get you. Some common themes throughout when it talks about Hevel. Time, death, toilsome labor. It's life. Get used to it. I have this, um, sometimes I'll say this, like, I don't know if anybody knows the name Franklin Pierce. Does anybody know who Franklin Pierce is? I think, I think Andre, if anyone's going to know, it's going to be Andre. Andre, who is Franklin Pierce? He's the 14th president of the United States. Good job. Did you know that, Kristen? Good job. Franklin Pierce, back then America wasn't the world superpower, maybe like, second or third or something. We were up and coming. This is pre-Civil War. But the, United, the president of the United States was a pretty powerful dude. And yet 150 years later, no one knows him, except the history buffs. Nothing that he did has any, is any remarkable to any of us, unless you live in Arizona or New Mexico. But Franklin Pierce was like the president of the United States. He died, and within 100 years, people already forgot about him. And guys, we're talking about Hevel. 150 years from now, every single person in this room will be dead. I'm sorry if that bums you up. Not only will you all be dead, probably no one will remember you. You're like, but I want to do something. They'll all be remembered. And we can have a whole separate talk about that. You can do something that will last for eternity, but the people on earth still might not remember you. Your most valued possession. What, think of your most valued possession in your whole life. It'll probably be in a million pieces or in a landfill. 150 years from now. You can let the hevel of life actually completely overwhelm you. You can, you can buy into this but then go too far and it starts to get really, really depressing. And actually, there's a beautiful picture of depression in the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to read this. In Ecclesiastes 2.17. So I hated life, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of its meaninglessness. All of it is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun, because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish? Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. This is, you can take the hevel and it can just push you right off the edge. You can say things like, I hate life. I hated all the things. (laughs) And I despaired of life. And as much as I want to like rescue us from this, I'm, that's part of my message, is you got to accept this. 
We have to learn to accept. If we want to be wise, if we want to go on this wisdom journey, we have to learn how to accept Hevel. James, my favorite New Testament wisdom book, he talks in very similar language to Hevel. James 4.14. He says, what is your life, Mr. Big Shot? Who are you? You're a mist. You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And I got to think, you know, that we have James written in Greek, but I have to think, as a, as a Hebrew, as a Jew, as a Hebrew, if he was talking to someone, he probably used the word hevel. What is your life? You're hevel. So we need to learn how to be okay. On some level, we have to be okay with hevel. So here's my question. How do I handle hevel? I want you to do some self-reflection. How do I handle the hevel of life? Everything that stinks about being a human being on this planet. How do I do with that? Do I, do I, am I okay with it? Most of us are not. I'll be honest. We were, so we, we, we came here and we were renting CCC. I loved that building. Wasn't that a beautiful church building? And then they're like, hey, we're selling the building. Uh, I, and I'm thinking, man, we should find a new place to, we should find a new place to meet. And this is what I did in Ann Arbor all the time, is try to find places for us to meet. And it, that's part of the hevel of life in the ministry when you don't own a church building. Is you're like, you drive past all these beautiful church buildings. You're like, why do they get a church building? Like, oh, why can't I have that? Why can't we meet at a nice church building? And I, and I know what happens in my heart. And I've been open about this with... With Jen, I think I've shared it with James and Steve. Like, I get whiny. I'd be like, ugh, it's not fair. Ugh, I hate it. I get pouty. Maybe you don't get pouty. But, but something happens to you when you run into the hevel of life. Maybe you get angry. Maybe you hate the fact that life is hevel. And it gets you like, ugh, I hate this. Maybe you get hopeless. Maybe you want to give up, never try. But in almost every situation, the hevel of life is going to do something to you. And I'm going to warn you right now. I'm going to give you a brief insight into your, into your psyche here. The hevel of life is going to tempt you to indulge. And it's going to tempt you to indulge in one of your core sins. When I'm studying the Bible with people, I like to, I like to talk about sin, but I like to talk about man. You have some core sins. The things that, another way to say this is, there are things that you're probably going to struggle with the rest of your life. They're always going to be that, like, battle. And you'll repent, but then they're always going to, they're the sins that always kind of find a way to squeeze back into your heart. Might be anger. Might be lying. Maybe self-medication. Maybe isolation. Just push everyone away. Be all by yourself. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's lust or sexual impurity or immorality. Maybe it's greed. I'm just going to start accumulating my own treasure here. But the hevel of life is that nudge that's going to push you towards one of your core sins. And I want you to maybe take some time to reflect. What, what, happened? what happens in my heart when I experience the hevel of life? Like, what happens? What are the things I consistently do? What are my, like, typical reactions to the chaos? 
And then I would encourage you to talk to someone about that. And let them, like, hey, when you see me going into a a season of chaos, just know what might be trailing behind me, ready to pounce. And that's what family is for. So what's the answer to Hevel? Here's what I'm going to say. We have have to learn how to accept Hevel. You're going to want to be like, no, this is stupid, I don't want Hevel. You don't get that option. If you ignore it, it's not going to go well for you. We can't ignore it, we can't reject it, we can't fight it. It will always win. That's why Solomon went into that depression. Like, I, I did everything I could to make life make sense. It will always be here long after we're dead. Everything you do to try to solve Hevel, Hevel's just sitting there like, oh, you're so cute. When you're dead, I'll still be around. We have to accept it, and this is where we're going to move to the next point. We have to learn how to enjoy life in the Hevel. Can life be chaos and enjoyable at the same time? Now, we are conditioned. Some of you may be nodding your head, but I want you to appreciate that we have been conditioned to think that's not possible. We have to end any pain before we can enjoy the goodness of life. Here's some scriptures. I got a bunch. I'm going to try to go through them really quick about the enjoyment because this is repeated over and over and over again. Ecclesiastes 8.15. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat, drink, be glad. Oh, that just went back. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. Here's another one. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This too I see is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat? Gosh. Who can eat? Or find enjoyment? And what I hope you pick up is over and over, it's saying this is actually a gift from God. God is not abandoning you in a life of heaven. He's right there, and he's actually giving you gifts all along. But can you accept them? I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Now, some of us would say, well, hey, God, if you want to give me a gift, take away the hevel. Make life easy for me. God's like, sorry. There are gifts, but they come in the hevel. Here's another one. This is what I have observed to be good. That it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. See how hevel and enjoyment are smushed together here? Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. And this, I think we have a life so easy now, so recreational, that we have a lot of time to think about all the things we don't have. And if you were to trans, trans, like go, us go back in time, where we're now living in a very like agrarian culture, and they're like, what are you doing sitting around staring at your phone all day? We've got work to do. 
Part of life is to enjoy life. But here's my question, and this I think we are very bad at. Do I enjoy life as a gift, or do I indulge and escape? Now, what do I mean by that? Some of you are not enjoying life. You are simply escaping Hevel. I really want that to sink in. Some of us, we're not enjoying life. We're just running away from the chaos of life. And we're hoping that we can outrun it and find peace. And yet God, through Ecclesiastes and through the whole Bible, God's telling you, like, it's not the way it works. You can find peace in the Hevel. When you accept Hevel, like, I'm never going to, it's never going to not be unfair to be alive as a human being. When you accept Hevel, you can begin to accept the gift that God is giving us. That is enjoyment of life. It is as simple as a sunny day. Guys, we had so much sun this week. It's not sunny now, but how many people this week were like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful out. You just let the sun hit your face and you're like, oh, it feels so good. And that's West Michigan winters right there. It's gray, and then when the sun comes out, we're like, guys, it's sunny. Oh my gosh, look at the sun, guys. Like you pause things. And I actually have, I tried to do that when we moved here. I was like, stop, time out. Look at the sun. Look how beautiful it looks. And Ecclesiastes 11.7, if you want to write it down, sunny day is a gift from God. It feels good to have the sun hit you on your face. Now, can you enjoy life too much? You sure can. That's what happens when it becomes indulgence. When the hevel of life pushes you, you give in to your core sins and you indulge. And you're like, I just have to feel good at any cost. Whatever feels good, I need to go towards that because I can't take the hevel. You haven't learned how to accept hevel. So you haven't, you haven't been given the gift of enjoyment yet. You're fighting hevel. And so all, the only thing, some of you are too immature to even grasp this. You think that pleasure is just running away from your problems and indulging. It's escaping. We escape. We don't actually enjoy life. We could talk about this one thing for the next three hours, people. But we do have to, but some people, we overindulge. We're like, yes, I love life so much, I'm just going to do whatever feels good. And Solomon did this. Solomon was like, whatever I saw, I took it. Whatever I wanted, I had it. And he talks about some graphic stuff. He talks about he bought people, he set up harems, he let no, he let nothing, he was the most powerful man in the world at that time, he let nothing escape his grasp. And this is where we see his heart turning away from God. So we have to be reminded of judgment. This is the other, this is the third leg of that three-legged stool that is Ecclesiastes. Hevel, enjoyment, and judgment. All throughout Ecclesiastes, we are told, enjoy life. Enjoy everything. Everything God has given you, just soak it up, enjoy it. But, but be careful. Because all the things we do are seen and we will have to give an account. Here's one of my favorites. This is a big one. Ecclesiastes 
whatever is has already been. And whatever will be has been before. And God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked. For there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. This is repeated over and over and over again throughout Ecclesiastes. Life is hevel. Get used to it. You can still enjoy life. You should. You should love life. Guys, I love life. And yet, just know, you can't do whatever you want because of judgment. Now, in the New Testament, you may recall, something may be coming to mind, Hebrews 4.13, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Like, the Hebrew writers, like, quoting this. Jesus talks about this in John 12, 47 and 48. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. I love that verse. (laughs) Like, stop there. If anyone hears my words, this is Jesus talking, and decides to ignore me and disobey me, I don't judge them. And we want to be like, sweet. Please, like, stop the Bible right there. But he goes on. I didn't come to the world to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. The words of Jesus are the thing that are going to be held up to us. Like, how did you do? How'd you do with this stuff? We'll be like, uh, don't judge. Like that. Here's my question. Is God's judgment real to me? Is God's judgment real to me? And I'm telling you now, you're all in church. You have your church brain. You're all like, yes, God's judgment is real to me. Everybody says the right answer at church. When I say this, everybody said, oh, yeah, good job, bro. Yes, God's judgment is real to me. Convicted. But here's another way. Am I living like God's judgment is real? Do I live in such a way? Here's another way to think about it. Do people that look at my life, would they see someone that gets a glimpse? This guy gets a glimpse of the reverence, of the honor, of the respect, and the fear of the Lord of someone who respects the judgment that is to come. Or do they see pride or arrogance? There's a term that the adorable millennial generation coined, and it is YOLO. You only live once. Did anything like really positive ever come after someone like yelled YOLO and went ahead and did something? Rarely. Like, going to go serve the poor, you only live once. Like, that's not usually what you do. It's usually something destructive or self-indulgent or, or rejecting the judgment of God. 
Am I living like God's judgment is real? If someone followed me around and just observed, would their takeaway be, this guy loves life, accepts Hevel, but respects the judgment that is to come? I'm going to wrap this up. So there is an actual conclusion to the book. I would encourage you, read the book of Ecclesiastes. It's beautiful. But it ends with a conclusion. And I'm just going to read the very last bit. So there's actually, I don't have time to get into this. If you ever have questions about Ecclesiastes, please come to me. I love this book. But there's the teacher, which we think might be Solomon. But then there's the author who's writing about the teacher. And at the end he says, hey, here's what the teacher did. And it's really cool. But here's the end. Ecclesiastes 12.9. Now, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And that's how Ecclesiastes ends. That's the last verse. And it's this, it's this beautifully paradoxical book that goes over and over. Hevel, enjoyment, judgment. Hevel, enjoyment, judgment. But can we accept that? Here's how I'm going to end it. There's two choices about how we can proceed in this life. This meaningless life with toilsome labor under the sun. People who are foolish and people who are immature, they are like this. They reject Hevel. They hate it. They whine or they pout or they indulge in their sins. And they try to do everything they can to like escape a life of Hevel. They indulge. They don't enjoy. There's a difference between indulgence and enjoyment. And they ignore the truth of judgment. That's what a fool does. That's what an immature person does. That is what someone who is not wise does. We are on a wisdom journey. And this is kind of that like low part here. I want us to be wise. I want us to be mature. But we have to learn how to accept Hevel. Like, yep, life is unfair. Life stinks. And nothing I do is going to magically fix everything in the world. So part of me has to learn to accept the chaos of life. But in that, I can still choose to enjoy life. Even something as simple as a good night's sleep or a sunny day, I can say, God, thank you for this gift that you have given me. And that person will respect God's judgment and not ignore the truth of God's judgment. Guys, I'm not... um, You know, Jacob is here. He's the psychoanalyst. I'm not a therapist. And I'm not going to get into, uh, you know, anything like depression or anxiety. Like, but, but I know that we have a culture that has been living like this for generations upon generations upon generations. And it hasn't done us any good. It hasn't done us any favors trying to escape the hevel of life and indulge. I see so many young people who are literally like incapable of processing the world because we haven't taught them that yes, the world is hevel. It stinks. But you can still have a great life in all that. And so that's where I'm going to end it. Guys, this is our our journey that we're on. Proverbs is like that city street. Proverbs is 
that everything makes sense. Turn right in 400 feet and your destination will be on the left. But then there's nature. And Ecclesiastes is nature. It's chaos. It's wild. It's wilderness. But we still choose to go out into nature. I love going into nature. I love escaping the city and experiencing the wilderness. And that's what we're, we're headed towards. And so we're on this wisdom journey. Next week, we're going to continue. We're going to talk about the book of Job. But I wanted us to, to pause in Ecclesiastes. Life is chaos. Life is hevel. Ecclesiastes teaches us that that is okay. In the same way that you can embrace the wilderness, go out into the wild, stick to the trail, <laughs> so it doesn't swallow you up, you can embrace Hevel. You can enjoy life as a gift from God. And you can respect that God's watchful eye is always on us. And with that, I've asked the lovely Jen Weatherston to do our communion message. Come on up, Jen. <laughs>